This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Hi there, welcome to In Conversation. Thank you for being with us. This show is, in my view, up front, up close, and in this case, about leadership. On May 1st, 2020, Jim McSween moved into the top job at York Regional Police after 31 years with the force. He worked very hard to move up the chain of command. Number two District Criminal Investigations Bureau, the holdup unit, Community Services Bureau, Duty Inspector in the Real-Time Operations Centre, Inspector of Training and Education Bureau, Superintendent in charge of number two and number four districts, respectively, Superintendent of Operational Command, which includes 911, Deputy Chief, and then the big one, Chief of York Regional Police. Chief Jim McSween joins us now in conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Anne, for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you today. Chief McSween, did you always want to be a police officer? Was, was this a dream of yours as a little boy? You know, Anne, it's, uh, it's actually a very interesting question. Um, it wasn't a dream of mine. A lot of people talk about uh, it being their lifelong passion, and it never started out that way for me. I uh, grew up in Nova Scotia, uh, and I ended up, uh, you know, after graduating, needed to, you know, if you want to call it, come to the big smoke and uh, seek out my future, and it started in the trades as a tradesman. And uh, But I always do connect back to my a little picture I drew back in grade six of an RCMP cruiser. And uh, I don't know if that was connected to what my calling would eventually be, which is how sort of I got here today. Um, so it didn't start out that way for me. But, uh, you know, I, I found my, my niche when I uh, stepped in the doors in, uh, on October 23rd of 1989 as a bright, young, new officer here at York Regional Police. And uh, everything flowed from there. I found it was... Uh, definitely the right move for me at the time. So that's how it started. When you were working on the front lines, were you ever fearful for your life? Was your family, your wife, your children, were they worried about you each time you would walk out the door as a police officer, armed, and and doing the kinds of things that you do and did in your career? Were you worried? Were they worried? You know, Anne, uh, I think sometimes, yes. Uh, I know there were times myself, uh, uh, many, many situations where, as a frontline officer, challenged with uh, different types of uh, incidents and engagement with uh, different, you know, aspects of policing that sometimes seem to uh, come and go. Um, there were times when I was, uh, uh, whether I'd say frightened for my life, I'd say I, I was in situations that were life-threatening, but the reality is, and I know this is true for any young officer and all of our new officers, they're there to do the job, and uh, you're not really thinking about it at the time. You just uh, forge ahead and use the, the excellent training we provide to people to, to help them de-escalate these types of situations and do the best they can. Uh, from a family standpoint, I think, uh, you know, my, my uh, passion for the job and uh, really was at the forefront and, and knowing that I was enjoying doing what I did each and every day. Uh, they imparted trust in me to let them know if I was in a situation that, uh, you know, was danger for myself. And, and uh, so I don't know if they really felt uh, or saw the day-to-day. 
Um, but I always had the support of the family uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, if I was in a situation, we did talk about it and uh, we moved past it because, you know, I was never somebody to live in that type of, uh, you know, live that experience each and every day. Uh, I don't know how you'd ever do this job if you did, so... So that's the support of your family. What about the camaraderie, the kinship, uh, the brother and sisterhood among the men and women who proudly wear the uniform, who proudly serve and protect at York Regional Police? Was that important to you as you were moving through the system, if you will? Yeah. Thanks, Anne. That's a great question. I I would say that's probably, first and foremost, uh, one of the most important aspects of policing is that you know, there is a camaraderie and a partnership, if you will. I can tell you I've made some of my best friends uh, that I've had in 31 years uh, have been made here at YRP and across uh, the province and other organizations. Uh, you know, we each do a job uh, that's difficult at times, that's extremely rewarding at times, and I know for most officers, including me, when I started, everybody seems to start the same way. Um, it's to help the community. It's to help people. Um, you know, you move to this organization, through any policing uh, organization, you make your own path and you have lots of opportunities. But I can tell you the kinship and the partnership that you uh, um, have with people along the way uh, is what allows you to enjoy coming to this job each and every day uh, and have the opportunities you have. So. So you are now chief of York Regional Police. Uh, you're responsible for 2,300 employees, responsible for an operating and capital budget of $390 million, and probably most importantly, at least from a civilian's perspective, the community safety of the 1.2 million citizens that you serve and protect. How do you like the job so far? You've been at it for nine months. Yeah, you know what, and. Uh Again, I, I, I joke with people. Uh, I moved uh, into a deputy's position, and I was only there for about a year before taking over the chief's role. And I'll tell you, I'm still looking for the manual that talks about how to be a chief. <laughs> <laughs> so what I do is I rely on uh, how I got here in the first place, which, uh, which was uh, to be values-based and uh, always be leading with my heart as a person first and um, allow that to keep me grounded in what this job is uh, to me. I, uh, I use a quote and I'll, I'll share it with you. It was from uh, the late John McCain, the senator, which was, you know, you're never, it's a noble profession and we're never bigger than the uh, organization or uh, uh, the issue that we're serving. For us, it's community safety. And so has it been challenging? Uh, it's been rewarding in the last nine months, but lots of challenges along the way, as you can imagine. When I walked in the door that we were uh, in the middle of a pandemic in terms of walking in as the new chief on May 1st, and uh, we were in the middle of a number of protests ongoing around uh, the region, around the country, North America, um, and uh, we had to manage our way through that with the community, but also uh, while managing through this pandemic, and we're still in the middle of it, right? So um, lots of challenges still uh, at work here, but lots of opportunities uh, to just make us the best we can be as a police organization. Diversity, inclusion, equality, fairness, respect, honesty. Do you believe in these values when it comes to your officers and also the citizens that you protect in York Region? 
I absolutely believe in, in those values and uh, you know one of the key components to hiring young new police officers is to ensure that they are values based and that they uh, live the values of our organization and you mentioned many of them on there and uh, you know two of the two of the very important values for us uh, of the five are compassion and courage and you know so we are a values based organization and uh, we lead with everything we do uh, uh, with the values of the organization around the two pillars and the pillars I'll mention are both the community and our people and uh, you know you, you we can talk all day long about one of the hallmarks of York Regional Police has always been our connection to the community and the excellent work our diversity equity and inclusion bureau along as long along with community services have done over the years in those connections and partnerships right now we have to focus internally on our organization to just be that much better and make sure all of our processes, programs, and the way we operate and work with the community, uh, even from the inside out, uh, is to the best it can be. And that work will continue throughout 2021 and beyond. YRP is celebrating 50 years of exemplary policing. You are in year 31, 32, more than three decades. So tell me how policing has changed for you through your tenure at YRP, but really as we look back at 50 years of York Regional Police. Yeah, really incredible. Uh, and we're so proud of uh, the fact that we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. You know, it's interesting, back in 71, there were 14 municipal police services, the York County uh, Security Police, which amalgamated to form York Regional Police. At the time, we had 200 police members uh, policing 169,000 people, and as you mentioned earlier, now we're at 2,300 um, proud members serving 1.2 million people in the community. Um, diversity, inclusion, you know, we live in one of the fastest growing and most diverse regions in the country. Um, we have many, many languages in our organization to allow us, uh, of our members, to allow us to serve the community better. We are forging ahead in areas like modernizing our police service around uh, things like all of the technologies that are coming uh, at YRP that we will unveil as uh, in, in connection with the community. And uh, we're extremely proud at a lot of the work that's, that's uh, ongoing at YRP that will continue. But um, it's changed a lot. I mean, I remember when I first started as a young officer down in Richmond Hill, in, in uh, the city of Richmond Hill in 2 District, Young and Highway 7 was an intersection with a, a traffic light. And now if you were to look down there, it's a, it's a hub. It's the hub of Richmond Hill. And, you know, eventually we'll see a subway there. So. Um, which now we have a subway in Bond. So lots and lots going on in the region. And, uh, you know, it's a very complex role now, conversely to what it was back 50 years ago, I'm sure, when we first amalgamated uh, uh, into what now is York Regional Police. You have a big job ahead of you as you're just nine months into this, but I want to see if you'll roll with me on this one. If you could just take off your chief hat for a moment and let's talk just as Ann Romer and Jim McSween. What do you do for fun? How do you chill out? How do you relax? You've got a high-pressure job. You've got a wonderful family of four and a beautiful wife. There's a lot going on in your life. What does Jim McSween do to let his hair down? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and one thing I'll say is, you know, we are chiefs and we are, we have high profile positions, but we're just people and uh, we come with uh, challenges in our own personal lives like anybody else. What do I do for fun? <laughs> I love to play the guitar. Uh, I love to sing. I, uh, my daughters both sing. I love to, uh, I have a, you know, I spend some time at, at the lake. I have a cottage. Uh, and I really, one of my passions is golf. Uh, I love to play golf. I, uh, you know, not now, of course, but uh, generally I play some hockey. I play some baseball in the summer. And I try to just be a normal guy. Hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that's what allows you to really connect with people on a more personal level because that's a big part of these leadership positions is, is to, to always know that there's something bigger than you and it isn't about me. It's, this job is not about Jim McSween. This job is about our entire organization and the community. And I have to show people that I'm just another person like them. I just happen to hold a position, and it comes with a lot of responsibility. Um, so staying grounded is really important to me. And I have a, a wife, a beautiful wife and a family that keeps me there. And uh, that's the goal for me for my five years while here as the chief, is to, to remain Jim McSween. And... Uh, Nothing more, nothing less. And uh, that's my priority. Would you do me the honor? We are a music radio station with some uh, talk as well, but it's the music that makes us move and makes the world go round. Are you comfortable if I ask you just to sing a little a cappella of your favorite song as we say goodbye? Uh, sure. Let me think. i got to think of what's one of my favorites. Maybe it's uh, The Dance by Gareth Brooks. Okay, go for it. Okay, here we go. And you can't make fun of me after this. So, um, Looking back on the memory of the dance we share need the stars above. That's all I got for you, Anne. Oh, and that's more than I expected. And you are amazing. Chief Jim McSween, York Regional Police, and... Garth Brooks Crooner. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on In Conversation. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Much appreciated. And thanks for having me. From the top job at YRP to the mayor's chair in Vaughan, that's next. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. Oh, great things are happening in the city of Vaughan these days. Mackenzie Health's Cortellucci Vaughan Hospital, set to open next month, will transition to a COVID-19 pandemic support hospital. And Vaughan recently welcomed its first ever diversity and inclusion officer. And that's not all. Joining us in conversation with details on the positive changes taking place right now in Vaughan is its mayor, Maurizio Bevilacqua. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Anne. I'm looking forward to this uh, interview. As you said, there's a lot to celebrate here in the city of Vaughan. And that's what we need to hear in 2021. So let's go back a few days ago. Uh, Mackenzie Health's Cortellucci Vaughan Hospital. Big announcement. You were there. You were part of it. Tell me what this means, the significance of the transition from a, a state-of-the-art hospital to open soon to 
a COVID-19 support hospital. As you know, and the, uh, the Port Salute Vaughan Hospital is the first smart technology hospital in the entire country. It's a $1.8 billion investment, 1.2 million square foot facility to house around uh, 500 beds. But I think uh, the, the province called upon us uh, to really help with, uh, with the COVID. As you know, the healthcare capacity of the province is, is under stress. And so we were asked to, to really help out. And uh, so we're providing 185 additional beds, including 35 for critical uh, care beds. With COVID-19, as you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Uh, we have to always pivot because uh, COVID-19 is always full of surprises. And uh, we probably underestimated uh, the, the impact that the COVID-19 would have on the world, uh, but we've soon, soon learned that uh, we need to do whatever is possible to make sure that we get through this uh, challenge. And uh, the Cortellucci Vaughan Hospital uh, is opening uh, at an historical time when the province is uh, need uh, for health care is the greatest. What kind of care will patients receive at this hospital when it opens in early February? Well, it's going to be uh, focused on um, on COVID-19, uh, but uh, when when we actually do, when it actually opens, and I'm talking about the entire hospital opens, you know, it will obviously be serving southwestern New York region. It will include emergency and modern surgical services and will offer advanced diagnostic imaging capabilities, specialized ambulatory uh, clinics and intensive care beds, medicine, birthing, pediatrics, and, and mental health services, as well uh, it will become the York Region uh, District uh, Stroke Center. So as you can tell, this is a, a world-class hospital. Uh, everything in that hospital is, is uh, most advanced. Uh, technology available in uh, today's marketplace uh, as it relates to healthcare. So we're very fortunate to have uh, to have this hospital, and we're also very fortunate that we're answering the call, uh, really the call to to aid the province during these uh, challenging times. And life-saving, I must say. And the response uh, that I've heard and seen on social media has been overwhelmingly positive about pivoting to make sure that these overwhelming numbers of COVID-19 cases and ICU issues are being dealt with uh, with open arms and open doors at Cortellucci Vaughan Hospital. Yes, and it's, uh, it's really our, our, our responsibility to be there for each other and um, I'm very confident that by working together, by being flexible, by being focused, uh, by being disciplined, we can overcome uh, this uh, challenging time here in uh, in the city and beyond our borders. Well, it sounds like Vaughn is leading by example. Here's another uh, reason why. Uh, Vaughn's first ever diversity and inclusion officer was announced earlier this month, Zinzia Francis. Tell me about the role and why you decided to create a position like this. Well, because I think it's very important to do whatever uh, is possible to ensure that the city remains an inclusive, uh, dynamic, and, and thriving uh, community. Uh, Ms. Francis, she brings uh, with her extensive professional background committed to equity work. Her experience also includes work in child welfare sector as well as addressing violence against women and, and children. Uh, She's a great candidate, a great individual, but this is part and parcel of, of creating a more fair and, and just society. And uh, 
you know, and at the end of the day, the purpose of public life is really to improve the human condition, uh, to address inequities, uh, to make sure that uh, fairness and justice prevails. And this is what we're all about. And, and I think that this is yet another example of how we can create a more diverse and, and inclusive uh, um, city. And you need to work on it every day. I mean, some of the prejudice that exists in our society and racism that exists in our society dates back hundreds and hundreds of years. And you have to do whatever you can every day, uh, move towards the, the right direction. And, you know, if you do, if you bring about change every day for 365 days of the year, uh, you'd be surprised at what you can achieve. And in areas such as this, uh, you need to really continue uh, the, the education uh, uh, process. You need to always be uh, on top of these issues because they matter to people's lives. Everybody uh, needs to be included. Nobody should be excluded. We need to always practice the politics of inclusion, not exclusion, because it's the fair, fair thing to do. And what will be job one for her? She's new to the role. We're in a pandemic. We're in a lockdown, stay-at-home orders. How will she move through the system and and expand her role and reach out to the community? Uh, in, in this new, it, first of all, it's a, it's a senior level role. It's uh, full time. It resides in the office of the chief human resources officer. And uh, she'll be sitting around the table where all decisions are made. And that's going to be really interesting because she's going to see our programming and all the activities that we participate in through that lens, that lens of, of diversity and, and inclusion. And, uh, and provide the strategic guidance and advice on policies and processes and, and, and uh, procedures re- related to diversity. So this is a very important um, role. Um, you know, I insisted that she attend uh, and that part of her role needs to, to be to attend the, the city seniors leadership team. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's important because you want an individual uh, like Ms. Francis around the table where decisions are being made as they relate to the, the city because she will provide a uh, great context and a, a great uh, frame, frame of reference. So I would imagine that the first, uh, first uh, order of business for her is to really assess the organization and, and see where the strength, the weakness, uh, threats, and opportunities are. Mayor Bevelock, well, let's talk about your ongoing response to COVID-19. Uh, an example is this, and a lot of people are questioning it. Uh, the Vaughn City has made a decision to close outdoor rinks, Toboggan Hills dog parks uh, for the time being. And it seems to me that other cities and towns in York Region are keeping theirs open. So what was behind this decision? Well, these are decisions that have many, many uh, inputs that we, we consider and that we need to, to consider, in fact, to, to arrive at uh, such a decision. But, you know, um, Overcrowding issues like that are important. Uh, you know, this tra- brings me back to the early days of COVID-19. Uh, in March, I was the first uh, mayor of a city to declare a state of emergency and to very quickly uh, close city hall, libraries, and community centers. At that point in time, and people thought that perhaps I was being too strict, too rigid, um, but they didn't believe that a few weeks after the fact, right? Everybody kind of followed the bonds lead and closed their community centers and their libraries and city hall. Um, what we noticed were for every person that, that 
perhaps unhappy with our decision, and I can understand it. Uh, there are also people that were really concerned about the number of people in ice rinks, and they were concerned about spreading uh, COVID-19. We, every morning when I get up, the first question I ask is, what can I do to reduce the transmission of COVID-19 in my role as mayor? And I think every individual needs to be asking the same question when they get up in the morning because personal responsibility is extremely important during these times. And so the team decided uh, uh, that uh, given what they know of, of COVID-19, given the various inputs that they were receiving, that uh, uh, the decision to, to close the, the ice rinks and, uh, and the Tavagan Hills uh, um, was the, the right decision, and I, and I, and I supported that decision uh, because I do think that it's also in keeping with the provincial uh, provincial mandate that is really telling people to stay home. I mean, the premier is very, very clear. They just, you know, stay home. Uh, it, don't leave if you don't have to. And we're, the other issue related to this is that I felt comfortable with the decision because we weren't restricting people's movements in the sense of exercise because there are open trails, there are open parks. Uh, so there are many, many other opportunities to, uh, uh, to responsibly uh, exercise and reduce uh, the risks for, for, for many other people that may be uh, around you. The idea is always to reduce the transmission of COVID-19. One thing we've done, uh, uh, the world has done, uh, as you know, it has underestimated the strength of COVID-19 and it has, un it has overestimated the strength of our healthcare system. What do you say to your citizens, Vaughan citizens, who will decide to go elsewhere to enjoy a skating rink time or a toboggan hill or a dog park? Well, what I say is you have, to, you have a mission here, and the mission is to reduce the transmission of, of COVID-19. Uh, that's what we're focused on, and that is the reason why we have been as careful as we have been. Uh, I'd rather err on the side of caution than throw caution in the wind. Uh, it's just the way I think you need to be. There are a lot of things about COVID-19 that we really don't know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's always... It's, the moving target, right? I mean, there was a time when the WHO was saying that masks were not necessary. You probably remember those days, and then masks became necessary and mandatory in some cases. Uh, I mean, the, the, there's it's always evolving, and so when when you're when you have to make a decision, make a decision. You know, assume the worst, but hope for the best, and um, and that's the way you you need to to navigate through these. Uh, uh, uncharted waters because uh, this is all very, very new. It's obvious because we're building a structure now. We didn't have a structure to deal with uh, with COVID-19. And so decisions are made always in the best interest of people. Like at the end of the day, um, the public good is first and foremost in my mind in every decision I make. I take no pleasure in shutting down uh, outdoor rinks or toboggan hills or others. The only reason why I do it and I promote that kind of uh, uh, thinking is because uh, it's going to help in the long run uh, our fight against COVID. It's the same reason why, you know, uh, many, many months ago, I, I, uh, I ordered the, the, the libraries that the libraries be, be closed and the community centers. Why? Because I have to remain consistent uh, with the mission of reducing transmission of COVID-19. 
And a sign of good leadership is standing by your decision. Thank you, Mayor Maurizio Bevilacqua, Mayor of Vaughan, for joining us in conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you, Anne, and stay safe. Well, tough decisions during these times, but according to the mayor, the public good is first and foremost. And Chief McSween believes, lead with your heart, depend on your experience, and trust your instincts. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for being with us. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.